these, uh, these lessons are, are hitting home. Uh, last week, patience. <laughs> we could all use some more patience, right? We certainly could. And tonight, um, we're going to talk a little bit for a little while on the subject of kindness. And uh, isn't there a lot of unkindness out there today? A lot of unkindness. And I, I could wax eloquently, I suspect, on the unkindness that's out there. But somebody wise told me many years ago, said, don't focus on the darkness, just lift up the light. Amen? So that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to lift up the light of kindness. If you would turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5, 22, very familiar portion of Scripture. We've read it every week lately. Um, and before we do that, let's, uh, let's just pray one more time and allow the presence of God to open our hearts. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful once again to be in your presence, to be in your house, gathered together with people of like precious faith. Lord Jesus, I just pray, Lord, that you would open our minds and our hearts to your word tonight, God. I pray that this subject, this idea, this concept would settle into our hearts, into our spirits. We so desperately need a baptism of kindness in our world today. And, and Lord, you have positioned your people, you've positioned the church, oh God, to be that light in this world, to show the kindness that you have shown to us, to this generation. I just pray, God, that you would reveal this tonight in Jesus' name to us. Amen. You may be seated. And I give honor to my pastors um, for the privilege to speak to you tonight. Um, and uh, I, take, I take this with, uh, with awesome responsibility. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, uh, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. That's the King James Version. Uh, but this version uh, kind of illustrates, I think, the subject that we're going to uh, talk about tonight. But when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Here, there is no conflict with the law. A lawyer once posed a question to Jesus concerning the greatest commandment of the law. To which Jesus replied, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Everything in the law is connected to these two great commandments. In fact, if I could put it this way, I would say that love is the beating heart of the law without which any obedience to that law becomes worthless. Love is the source which makes obedience truly obedient. Without love, obedience is just a caricature that turns us into hypocrites like the Pharisees of Jesus' day. In fact, Paul wrote it this way. He said, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, 
And though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I have all faith so that I could remove, uh, sorry, I read that, but, uh, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profits me nothing. You see, without love, our words, they amount to nothing. Our gifts, our talents, they amount to nothing. And our good deeds amount to nothing. But (laughs) with love, our words and our actions are energized, and they become conduits, conduits, of the presence of God, conduits through which the love of God can be displayed. And I would say tonight that this love in action is called kindness. Kindness is the Greek word krestos, which also means goodness in action, sweetness of disposition, gentleness in dealing with others, benevolence, kindness, affability, the ability to act for the welfare of those taxing your patience. (laughs) yes we need kindness along with that patience sister Darlene we need kindness now notice uh, that this Greek word krestos c-h-r-e-s-t-o-s it's the English transliteration is only one letter different from the word Christos which is the Greek word for Christ So when the first church began over 2,000 years ago in the Roman Empire, they often confused Christos with Christos, and they thought that Christians were just people who believed in kindness. They thought that Christianity was just a religion of kindness. Wouldn't that be awesome if people thought that about us today? But unfortunately, they throw a lot of adjectives our way, and unfortunately, I don't think kindness is often among them. All of us could use a renewal both of love and of kindness in our lives, and there's no higher or more perfect reference point for kindness than the cross. The cross is the symbol of the greatest act of kindness in human history. And if you ever begin to wonder, does God actually love me? All you need to do is look at the cross and you will see his kindness in action. Forever established that yes, God loves you. And his loving kindness is greater than life. The Bible says, for we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Jesus is the kindness and the love of God, and it was that kindness and love that resulted in the cross. In his love, God desired to save us, And through his kindness, he determined the way to save us. You see, Jesus, 
Is this, is this happening? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Jesus is the ultimate expression of the kindness of God. He's the ultimate expression. He's the bridge over the chasm of sin. He's the door in the wall. He's the way in the wilderness. He's the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And because of his kindness toward us, he asks us to be kind to others. And we saw a great example of this kind of kindness on Sunday morning. I had a, a view of Dawn's clinic as people went to her clinic to get vaccination shots. And I don't know where you stand on that. That's up to you. But Dawn providing uh, her time to be there to support you in, in getting vaccinated, that is kindness in action right there. That is kindness. The Bible says, for I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. You see, we love God because he first loved us, and we love others because guess what? He does too, and that love is expressed in kindness. You see, kindness is love finding a way. It can be hard. It can be unappreciated, but don't stop being kind. Even in your darkest hour, even when life seems to be going against you, even when you're struggling and you feel overwhelmed, don't stop being kind. When Jesus was on the cross, he was kind. In his darkest hour, he had room to say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He had time to be kind to the thief on the cross and say, today you'll be with me in paradise. He had time to look at John and his mother and say, here's your son and here's your mother, to take care of his mother. In that moment when he was suffering on the cross, he had the time to be kind. And we must do likewise. Now, most of us, I would say, here in Canada are passively kind. If an opportunity comes our way, then we'll do it. Holding a door open for someone, you know, or uh, maybe stopping to help someone change a flat tire, you know, things of that nature. Things that just come our way, we're polite, we're Canadians, we're, we're kind, passively. But I believe the, the Bible is calling us to be a little bit more than passive, and active kindness, on the other hand, is a bit more challenging because it means we spend energy searching for ways to be kind to others. It means spending some time looking for those opportunities, creating those opportunities to be kind. And kindness, I believe, as a fruit of the Spirit, encompasses both passive an active kindness, and yet is more than both. John 3 and 8 says, The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. When we operate in the Spirit, when we walk in the Spirit, when we live 
in the spirit. I believe that the spirit will help us to show kindness in the right way at the right time and for the right reason. And this is the sort of kindness that our world desperately needs to see from spirit-filled believers. They need to see kindness in action. They need to see love in action. They need to see the church be the church and showing this world what kindness really is. We need that today more than ever. A few, uh, some time ago, the bishop, can I call you the bishop? <laughs> the bishop gave us a, a, a series in Proverbs uh, on, on uh, wisdom. And I remember very clearly one of the, the things that I got out of that series was to ask myself the question, is it wise? If I'm going to do something or if I'm going to say something, kind of ask myself the question, is this wise? And to be frank, there's a lot of times when I've stopped myself from saying things or writing emails or things of that nature because I realize, you know what, this is probably not a wise thing to do. And I hope that after this uh, lesson, you will maybe, I don't know if that, that has occurred to you or if that's part of your spirit, but I, all, I, I would hope you would add to that to say, is it kind? Is it wise and is it kind? Now, there are four ways that we're going to talk about tonight which God expresses his kindness to us. And understanding how God is kind to us will open our understanding in how to be kind to others. Number one, God understands my weakness. Understanding and kindness go together. The more understanding you are of a person, the kinder you're going to be with them. That's why it's easy <laughs> for us to be unkind to strangers because we don't know anything about them. Even in a city as small as Fredericton, most of the people you encounter, most of the people I encounter in public are strangers. And stranger danger is something that we teach our kids. You know, you, you can't just trust everyone uh, that's out there. And absolutely, there's troubled individuals out there. But as Will Rogers said, a stranger is just a friend I haven't met yet. The more we understand people, the more we can love and show kindness in spite of our shared weaknesses and I would go so far as to say this, our maturity level as Christians, even as humans, is directly related to how much you are able to empathize or understand how others are experiencing life. Think about this for a moment. You're stuck in traffic. I'm not a big fan of traffic. Uh, and my wife will attest that this is one area that I desperately need help in being kind is when I'm going behind somebody slow or when somebody cuts me off. I'm not automatically kind. So I'm confessing to everyone right now. Just pray for me. I'm working on that. <clears throat> but we tend to think when someone cuts us off or we're, we're behind somebody that's slow, we're, we're impatient, you know, and we're just... Come on, get out, of my, get out of my way, or why did you do that to me? And, and we think in our mind, because we're the center of our world, 
that they're the ones who are imposing on us. But what kindness says, what empathy says, is you know what, maybe that person is speeding on their way to the hospital because they got a sick child in the back seat. Or maybe that person in front of me is slow right now because they just received some hugely terrible news and they're just out driving mindlessly trying to process it. We don't know, right? But kindness helps us to put ourselves in their shoes so that we feel empathy for people we don't even know. And that's kindness. Jesus understands, you see, every weakness of ours because he was tempted in every way that we are. But he did not sin. So whenever we are in need, we should come bravely before the throne of our merciful God. There we will be treated with undeserved kindness and we will find help. Jesus isn't shocked when you're tempted, when you struggle, when you fall. He's not shocked. He doesn't think any less of you. Why? Because he's been there. He knows what it's like to live a human life. When you go through a weakness or a problem, guess what? You want to be with somebody who understands what you've been through. And Jesus says to us tonight, I have been there. I understand what you're going through. I've been there. Because guess what? Jesus is kind to us. And he overcame sin. And so can we. Now, the world, unfortunately, is very quick to judge. They don't really want to understand. They don't want to try to empathize. The world is quick to judge, quick to condemn. And picture with, with me for a moment the, um, the scene in the book of John where a group of scribes and Pharisees bring a woman caught in adultery. They bring her and they cast her at Jesus' feet. Picture that scene, if you will. There's three perspectives in that picture. The first one is, of course, Jesus himself. And how is Jesus reacting to this situation? Well, guess what? He's kind. He's understanding. He's empathetic. He knows exactly what the woman did and why she's there, but he shows her kindness. Now picture for a moment, if you will, the woman on the ground, for example. Where, what is her state of mind in that moment? She's in the public glare. Everyone knows what she's done. She's, she's made a terrible mistake. And, and she's not sure what the outcome of this is going to be because these other fellas have rocks in their hands. And so tonight, I don't know if maybe you find yourself in that position. Maybe you've made a terrible mistake. Maybe, uh, you know, you've, you've messed up. Let me tell you tonight that Jesus isn't looking at you with eyes of condemnation. He's not looking at you with eyes full of, you know, pity and, 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 and just you know, anger. He's looking at you with eyes of kindness. He understands what you've been through. 
But I want to really draw your attention to this other group of individuals in this scene, the accusers, the accusers. And what have they done? They've brought this woman. Um, they know what she's done, and, and, and they're out for blood. And all these accusers can think of is finding a way to accuse this woman and cause her pain. Three perspectives, kindness, mistake, and accusation. Well, can I submit to you tonight that you cannot be an accuser and be kind? As for me, I want to be on the side of kindness. I don't want to find my, my, myself on the side of being an accuser, of being someone who simply wants to condemn, being someone who simply wants to put people down. I want to be on the side of kindness. You can't be an accuser and be kind. Dear brothers and sisters, Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, if another Christian is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's troubles and problems and in this way, obey the law of Christ. Be gentle, not judgmental. Be understanding, not condemning. When people are having a tough time dealing with issues, having problems, challenges with their families, being overcome by weaknesses or being tempted, be gentle. Be understanding with them. Why? <laughs> because God is gentle and kind with us. And we can do no less but be the same to our brothers and our sisters. We need to be understanding of the weaknesses and failings of others. And so here's, in summation, this first point. Kindness is love finding a way to help in times of weakness. Number two, God tells me the truth. It seems the very concept of truth is under attack. People dismiss truth. They don't want to hear as fake news. I am so tired of that term, but it happens all the time. I wish we could just strike it from our consciousness all around the world. Uh, they talk about your truth, and they talk about my truth, and, and some people even dismiss the very notion of objective, immutable truth. And this truth decay is precisely the condition that the enemy revels in promoting. When there is no truth, then anything goes and anything is legitimate depending on one's point of view. And the decline of truth in our society mirrors, I believe, the decline of kindness. When we can't even agree on the truth of a matter or the truth of our own condition, then kindness becomes collateral damage. If someone wants to show kindness toward me, then I have to recognize the truth concerning my need for that kindness. And guess what? Jesus knows the truth about us. Mm-hmm. Yes, he does. Past any posturing, any self-deception, he knows who we really are. 
And guess what? He loves us anyway. (laughs) I find that wonderful. I find that amazing that God sees us exactly who we are, and he loves us anyway. That is awesome. And he wants us to know the truth about ourselves because he loves us. And he wants to tell that truth to us to set us free. In John it says, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. But (laughs) we don't like to hear the truth about ourselves. Anybody testify to that? (laughs) We don't like it. There's a book, a book written back in the 80s with the title, The Truth Will Set You Free, But First It'll Make You Miserable. We like to hear about how great we are and how wonderful we are and all the good things that we've done. We love to hear that stuff. But Jesus is kind to us, so kind that he reveals to us things that are not so great, things that are not so awesome. And if we will listen, he will give us a truthful commentary on our lifestyle, what we're doing, who we're with, uh, our mindsets, what we say. He'll tell us when we're off course if we want to listen. You see, Scripture never obscures the weaknesses of its characters. And guess what? There's some definite characters in the Bible, and there are times when the kindest thing you can do for someone is to tell them the truth, even if it's painful for both of you. We will never grow unless we have someone in our life who's willing to tell us the truth. Jesus reveals the truth to us in kindness, and he desires that we do the same to others. When we express truth to someone, we love in kindness. And it presents an opportunity for that individual to grow. Now, let me be clear. This isn't a license to express truth in a negative or a malicious way. It needs to be motivated by love. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 says, Rather, let our, loves, uh, let our lives lovingly express truth in all things, speaking truly, dealing truly, living truly. Some people love to express truth, but not lovingly. (laughs) We need to lovingly express truth. Recent studies have shown that people are inclined, unfortunately, to value loyalty over honesty. I think we see that very prevalent in our world today. People want you to be loyal, but they don't want you to be honest. But this runs counter to being kind by being truthful, even towards those to whom we feel the most loyalty. If you feel loyalty to someone, you're the most kind to them when you tell them the truth. Proverbs 24 and 26 says, giving an honest answer is a sign of true friendship. You see, a real friend tells you when you're making a mistake or when you're oblivious to something that needs to change. I was standing back here doing usher duty a few weeks ago on this door, 
And I put my jacket on out in the parking lot, walked into church, stood there by the door. My, my collar was all rumpled. And I didn't know. And unfortunately, there were, <laughs> there were quite a few people <laughs> who passed through my door. Now, maybe they didn't see it, so I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. But Brother Curtis Scott came along, and he said, Bro, your collar's rumpled. You know what? That is a true friend. Somebody who's willing to tell you what something that you're oblivious of. That's a sign of true friendship. And that is why our pastors are the best friends that we've got because they'll tell us the truth in kindness. Mm -hmm. That's all right. And I wasn't going to say this, but Pastor Jack, I am 100% confident in all the stuff that you guys are doing to manage us and with grace and wisdom through this crazy time. I am thankful that you are doing what you're doing. So yeah, that's good. So to sum this all up, kindness is love, finding a way to be truthful in the right way at the right time. Hurrying along, point number three, God forgives my sin. God is forgiving and gracious toward us because of his kindness. Too many people have the wrong concept of God. To them, he's a, you know, an angry old man in the clouds looking for opportunities to mess with us. One of the things the Bible teaches is that God is not vindictive. He is the God of justice, yes, but he is not the God of shame. He forgives my sins. Why? Because I deserve it? No, because of his grace. Because of his grace. Unfortunately, our concept of God can be confused if we've suffered as children from people who are abusive, unloving, or indifferent to our condition. And we can transfer that harshness to our concept of God. But let me tell you tonight, and be emphatic about this, but God is a loving God. He is a forgiving God. God is kind. He is. Isaiah 54 and 8 says, In a little wrath I hid my face from thee for a moment, but with everlasting kindness will I have mercy on thee, saith the Lord thy Redeemer. Yes, you might have messed up, and yes, I might have expressed you know, a little frustration or a little anger, but I love you. I want to embrace you. I want to show you my kindness. That is the God that we serve. And so how does this influence my kindness to others? In Ephesians, it says, and be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. If you have a tough time being forgiving, it's probably because you don't feel forgiven. Graced people are gracious people. People who've received God's mercy are able to be merciful to others. People who understand how much God has forgiven them are able to forgive others in like measure. That's kindness. And so kindness 
is love finding a way to forgive and helping others find forgiveness. Last point, point number four. God affirms my worth. Deep inside all of us is a strong desire to feel worthwhile. We all want to feel significant when often we feel insignificant. Singer-songwriter Laura Marling wrote this, I've been quite fascinated by the relative insignificance of human existence, the shortness of life. We might as well be a letter in a word, in a sentence, on a page, in a book, in a library, in a city, in one country, in this enormous universe. And that kind of fear and insignificance has kept me awake at night. We all want to feel that we matter. And so this motivates us to act in ways to help answer the question, does my life matter? And so we work, we volunteer, we give, we create, we sometimes vote, all for the purpose of saying, I matter. I matter. The truth, though, is that nothing else matters until you've established a relationship with Jesus Christ and you begin to discover how much you matter to him and you base all of your self-worth on that. Nothing else is going to satisfy. Nothing else is going to answer that question of do I matter without Jesus Christ. Psalms uh, 137 says this, you saw me before I was born and scheduled each day of my life before I began to breathe. Every day was recorded in your book. How precious it is, Lord, to realize that you are thinking about me constantly. God loves you. He is kind to you, and he wants you to know that he thinks about you all the time. You are always on his mind. He never forgets about you. Psychologists say that your self-worth is based on what you think the most important person in your life thinks about you. Well, make Jesus Christ the most important person in your life because no one is ever going to love you like Jesus can. And if you base your self-worth on what other people think of you, then you're going to implode when people criticize you, when they reject you, when they say nasty things about you, you're going to, to collapse if Jesus Christ is not the source of your self-worth. But when you build your self-worth on the fact that God made you, that he loves you, that he thinks about you constantly and he loves you unconditionally and forgives you, then guess what? It doesn't matter what anybody else says. Doesn't matter what your neighbor says or what the relative says or somebody on Facebook says because your self-worth is not based on their opinion. It's based on God's word and God's truth that says he loves us. That is the foundation of self-worth. With Jesus as the foundation, you are properly positioned to affirm the worth of others. Romans 15 says this, so accept each other 
just as Christ has accepted you, then God will be glorified. We need to accept each other. This is a church of acceptance, not rejection. Uh huh. <laughs> yes, this is a church of acceptance. Kindness flows most freely out of the life of one who isn't looking for affirmation in return. When we accept unconditionally, when we love, when we show kindness, and we're not looking for a transactional return on that, that's when kindness flows most freely out of us. In Hebrews it says, in response to all he has done for us, let us outdo each other in being helpful and kind to each other and in doing good. And so tonight, if we're struggling to be kind to others, struggling to lift others up, it may be that we're in need of a renewal of God's spirit so that the fruit of kindness can grow in us. And here's the last point. Kindness in, is love finding a way to connect people to Jesus. That's what we're all about. We're all about connecting people to the kindness of Jesus Christ because people want to be understood. People want to be forgiven. People want to receive that truth that sets them free. And people want to know that God values them, that he loves them. And when we connect people to that kind of a God, then they can receive all that God has for them. They can receive the kindness of Jesus Christ. Let's all stand tonight. Kindness, kindness is love finding a way. And before we leave this place tonight, I think it would be appropriate if we examine ourselves and make sure that we're connected to him so that we can then connect others to Jesus. Why don't we just take a minute right now and before we dismiss Let's allow the presence of God to settle this word in our hearts. Jesus, we're so thankful for your word tonight. We're so glad, oh God, that we know, we know you love us. God, we've experienced that love. We've experienced, oh God, that, that abundant grace that you have given to us. We're so glad that you've saved us. We're so glad, God, that we have a hope for eternity and Lord I just pray God that you would help us challenge us tonight through your word what we've heard I pray God help us to be assured God and to make sure that we are connected to you there's so much unkindness in our world today Jesus I know that you are looking for people. You are looking for your church, for your children to be your hands and your feet in this generation, to show kindness at every turn, to show kindness in every 
connection point, to show kindness when we meet people, to show kindness, uh, oh God, when we see people on the street and, and wherever we are, God, it's the opportunity, Lord, for us to be the church and to connect people with you. I just pray, Lord, that you would help us, God, tonight to strengthen that connection between us and you. Jesus, reveal to us right now, I pray, any any unkindness that's in our heart, any anger, Lord, any, any, any self-justification, Lord, anything that's, that's in our heart and in our spirit, in our mindset that would, that would cause us to be unkind, I pray, reveal that to us right now, Jesus. Right now, Jesus. Let's talk to him just a minute, just, just in your own way and, and open your heart to him right now. Jesus, 